here's what I think. I think if you have Arizona in the situation that they're in that we just kind of talked about where there's a whole bunch of uncertainty, you're not even sure who's going to start for them 100%. Mm-hmm. And then let's add in the uncertainty of Michigan State and freshmen getting a whole bunch of playing time early on. Sure. And then let's add into the uncertainty that they're playing in Hawaii. That screams under to me. It does. It screams under. So we think that's pretty fishy. If you're going one way or the other and you're trying to find something, we say take the under. That's a fishy line right there. Seven seconds to play. All time. Kadeem Allen. Coast to coast. You would think someone would stop the ball, but they don't. He finishes with the layup. Wildcats win 65 to 63. We feel like this game is going to be... Just, you know, up and down through the roof. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think jump shooting is going to be a problem here. We think UNC is just going to, you know, fast break it. People Ton, have- Tons of layups, then also tons of uh, secondary break post-ups for Meeks and Kennedy. And people don't know who Tulane's co- head coach is. Mike Dunleavy. Ooh. Who is going to love going up and down with UNC to try to prove something than Mike Dunleavy, right? Sure, sure. Yeah, so we think that this game is going to be back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And they're, and they're both going to be happy to put up big numbers. So... Take the over. Right now, it's hovering around 145. Yeah, that's what I got at. Yep. 145-ish. Yep. Say take the over on this one. Pass. Nails the wing three. Jackson finished with a career-high 27. UNC wins 95-75. to 75. You are two for two, my friend, on your fishy line. So uh, I think you have a couple more. Why don't you give it to the fans? First fishy line that we need to go to, we're going to get to Washington and Long Beach State. The over-under is sitting around 167. Go ahead and take the over. Just to reference the UCLA game that they put up 114 points. Do you know who they played? Long Beach State. Well, why wouldn't they? So let's take the over in that game, and maybe Washington approaches the century mark as well. A couple of great coaches shaking hands after a 94-88 win for UW. Lorenzo Romar able to defeat Dan Munson and the beach. We got Wichita State playing LSU at LSU. Wichita State favored by 10. That is shouting at you to take LSU, which means it's unbelievably fishy. Oh, so- dear Lord. I, and it's because Joey Gambler, Gus, is still looking at it saying, you're giving me 10 points and it's Wichita State. That's a fishy line. You got it. Very good. So I'm going to say, why don't? Why are we not taking the Shockers? Take the points in the Shockers. Roll with it, baby. Tigers also added on the hardwood this afternoon, taking on Wichita State in the Battle for Atlantis tournament. This game was never close. The Shockers running away right from the start. They led by 25 at the half, and it only got worse from there. We'd like for you to pay attention to the Chattanooga Mocs, minus three versus Coastal Carolina. As much as we love Coastal, we love Coastal Carolina. The Mocs are undervalued here big time basically due to the huge UNC blowout where they lost by 30. Um, They're much better than that. Lock this one up. This seems like a no-brainer. Take the mocks and the points. Gus is given three with the mocks over the Chanticleers, which, by the way, folks, that's what we do here at Screen the Screener. We don't just go to Duke, Michigan State, okay? Casey Jones finds Pryor. 90 seconds now to play in the game. 65-58, Rico wants it. Pryor drives the lane and puts that floater up and in. Uh, the line in this game is minus seven for the home team, Iowa State Cyclones. It is in Hilton. 
Um, we here at Screen the Screener were in love with Cincinnati and the minus seven. Cincinnati minus seven in Hilton going against everything that you know is true about Hilton Magic. This bad boy went down to the wire. We go to OT. Bearcats up one. Last second chance for Iowa State. Be true long. Throws at the desperation. Way off. Fight for the rebound. Time expires since he gets their first win against the top 20 teams since 2014. I'm picking UCLA, and here are my reasons. I am not sure that we can just assume that freshmen can continually come in to big games, seven games into their career, and shine. UCLA is a veteran team. I know balls are a freshman, but the rest of the team has been there for a while. They want this game. They're ready for this game. They're going to go in. I think what you're going to read is that Kentucky's going to make some turnovers. They're going to make some mistakes. They're going to foul. UCLA is going to make their free throws. Alford is is has this game circled. I think it is going to be a tremendous basketball game, but I will pick UCLA. Let's show you how it all went down. Lonzo Ball, Matt, you've talked about his swag on the court. He played very well. In the second half, I just thought he played absolutely great. He's a kid that plays with a lot of flair. Um, he's a big-time player. How about that hesitation move there for the bucket? UCLA 9-0 for the first time since the 06-07 season. Just in case you're wondering, they were 14-0 to start off that year. First road win over a number one team since 2001 when they did it against Stanford. Baylor's going to win this game, and they're going to win this game by double digits. Uh, they're, mm. they're home. They've played so well. Madden Lacan is definitely going to play better. Xavier's in a tough spot here. They're playing well. I think it will be a close game for a while, and I think Baylor will then blow, blow it open. I think you hit it. They do not have anyone who's going to guard Motley. I no. think they have enough bodies to, to sort of handle Sumner. I do think that Baylor wins this one very, very comfortably, but I just don't think Xavier has the team right now to go into Baylor and win this game. Uh, LeConte, Motley's going to put up big numbers. Um, a, a keel inside is going to be a force and Waco is going to be fired up for this game on a Saturday at 3.30. This is a big time game and I expect Baylor to pull ahead comfortably and I would be shocked, Gus, if we are talking next time and Baylor doesn't win this one by something in double digits. Manu Lecomte right there to transfer from Miami had a big time game offensively. Baylor led four at that point then Wayne right again and another alley-oop this time to Joel Wall, Joel Jr. Baylor by five and Lecomte taking it out to Jonathan Motley. Kansas has something to worry about, people. Kansas has something to worry about. The one team that will contend with KU for the Big 12 title are the Baylor Bears. Very impressive so far. Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. You see, it's really very simple. If you're interested in college basketball and you want to know what's going to happen before it happens, you're listening to the Screen the Screener Podcast. Folks, welcome back to the podcast. As you heard those predictions, Gus my illustrious partner here has been on fire with his fishy lines, which is more predictions on the future. And I myself had a couple nice calls this weekend. As you saw, and a boy, I bet Gus, that bell annoyed a lot of people, but I'm telling you, we're going to keep ringing it loud and proud, huh? 
Uh, that bell is a great sound to hear for those fishy lines. Uh, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everybody. Thank you for choosing to consume the Screen the Screener podcast. It is December 5th. Uh, we are happy to bring you this broadcast. We hope that we aid in your commute. We hope we raise the rake to leaf ratio in your yard. We hope you improve the efficiency of washing dishes, however you're consuming this podcast. Um, we just want to be along the, for the, uh, along the ride with you uh, while you're trying to take care of whatever to, is on the to-do list. Yeah, and boy, I, what another great weekend. Uh, I did not have to sleep on Gus's couch. Uh, I was it was, it was it was open in there waiting for you. Uh, once we got to Gonzaga, Arizona, my friend, it may be a little much, but what a tremendous weekend of of college basketball. And listen, if you like college basketball, this is the podcast for you. You can follow us on Twitter at SDS Podcast. You can follow Gus at C Kearns, C-K-E-A-R-N-S-12. You can follow me at Fantasy Warrior Mike, F-T-S-Y Warrior Mike on Twitter. You can rate us on iTunes. You can rate us on Stitcher. You can rate us on TuneIn Radio. We're everywhere, folks, and we're everywhere because we know what we're talking about when it comes to college basketball. And to prove it, we're going to start the podcast off with... That's a fishy line. Here he is, folks. Gus with another fishy line. Uh, we have one good fishy line for you this week. We're going to ask for you to take a look at IUPU, Fort Wayne. That's right, fresh off their upset of Indiana. And they are going to go into South Bend to play Notre Dame. Notre Dame faces the new number one, which we can get to later a little bit. Uh, so they may be looking a game ahead or two. Um, so you might think like the proverbial trap game here. Or you might think ride the hot team with IUPU Fort Wayne after the indie upset. Screen the screener just thinks mismatch. And we think fishy. We say take the Irish. There's your fishy line for this week. Pay attention to that game. We'll have another one for you coming next podcast. Sounds good. You can take that one to the bank. And if I had the bell right next to me, we'd be doing a ding again. In fact, there it is. That's right. You can expect that next week. Uh, so why don't we, uh, Gus, get right into it. What the fans want. They want some news and notes from the hardwood. News and notes from the hardwood. All right. So first game for news and notes from the hardwood. we got to start off with UCLA, Kentucky. I mean, everybody's eyes were on that game. That was the first CBS game of the season. Um, and the game lived up to the billing. So excited to watch that game. Uh, what did you see in that game, Mike Randall? It seemed like you you were kind of keyed into this game. Oh, I guess, Gus, if we have to start with this one, I guess we can. Yes, that's right, because freshmen will be freshmen sometimes. And I guess I just thought that the Kentucky freshmen, six months ago, they're hitting White Castle, they're hitting McDonald's at lunch, and now all of a sudden they got an angry, revenge-filled UCLA team that came into Lexington and beat them. It was an incredible game all around. Building was electric. It was a very March feelish game, right? UCLA, they got out early. It was a Leaf layup, and we will get to TJ Leaf in a minute, by the way. He may mm. be the most underrated player in the country, quite frankly, because the idea that he was soft is ridiculous if you watch this game. Uh, Alfred hit a jumper, Alfred hit a three. So they got settled down. UCLA was very active inside. They were not going to back down. They were going to reposition, look for deflections, offensive rebounds. They did not back down to the size of Kentucky. They got a ton of second chance points and they had 30 
defensive rebounds in this game. What does that mean, folks? Well, if you like basketball, you know what it means. It was one and done the entire time. I would say, Gus, the critical juncture was in the first half. It was like 23-14 Kentucky with about 10 minutes left. They were mm-hmm. down nine. Crowd starting to get into it. Bang, Alford hits a three. And from that that point on, UCLA really took over the game, controlled it, and it was a great win. So the key for UCLA was was, was making sure they could take care of that early flurry that you knew was going to come um, at Rupp. So once I think Alford hit that three, that weathered that storm of like the UK storm that was going to kind of come. And after that, it was just game on. Like the, the all the butterflies were out. Um, nobody was really thinking about like where the game was or who they were matching up against. It, it was just, it was, you know, point guard on point guard, um, wingman on wingman, big man on big man. It, it was a real game after that. So I think once they, once they weathered that storm, UCLA looked really comfortable. Yeah, they did. And I would say that Kentucky made the mistakes that I thought they would make. They were active, of course, they were aggressive, but at times The defense for UCLA was moving so quickly. They would catch a ball. Like there was one sequence. Willis got a ball on ball reversal. The shot's got to go right up. He waited a second, drew the defender, took two dribbles to his right, and shot the same three. He could have shot five seconds earlier. There was a lot of that. Uh, What I was impressed, though, with Kentucky, first of all, Monk's a real deal. Yeah. I said I said in the last podcast I thought they would hold him down a little bit. When he hit seven at the half, I thought it was right on. He exploded yeah. in the second half, 17, big-time score, great call by you and the All-American team. The guy's a player. He's the best player in the team. I love Fox. I love Adebayo as well. He's the best player. He's the best scorer, tremendous player. But Adebayo also impressed me greatly. He's a big, thick guy inside. He's got a lot of post moves. And I love that he was very comfortable from the foul line. He was 10 of 13 from the foul line. That's the Carl Anthony Towns player that they're going to need as they move forward because they got a ton of great guards. Yeah. Um, if they can get any anchor from him down in the post, they're going to be an issue. Um, I was equally as impressed. He seemed a little bit more polished than I remembered, even from you know game one or two this season. So obviously they've been doing some good work with him in the post. And from the sounds of things, Cal's just going to keep tossing it down to him. Um, you know, the next couple of games and in practice to make sure that they start there first and then they kick out. Because like you said, it seemed like they had a bunch of, you know, what we would call like shots they settled for. They settled for the in-between jumper. They settled for the three. They settled, you know, you mentioned that Willis shot, which was totally a settle. So it seemed like, um, I I think moving forward, I think they're going to start inside with Bam and then pop it back out. Um, But in this game, it seemed like they, they were just, it was more outside to in, and like you said, when you're going to go outside to in, you're not going to get many second many second chance points. No, it, it, it really was a great game. Uh, Fox got in foul trouble. I tweeted this out on our on our Twitter account, uh, SDS podcast, by the way. Uh, when Fox got the fourth foul, the game was over because yeah. he's going to be tentative. Uh, that changed everything. Leaf was the best player on the four floor for UCLA, 17 and 13. By the way, Welsh was also dominant when he was not in foul trouble. A lot of mm. post moves. You know, a couple things. He's got to move his feet a little bit, the little bump from behind, the forearm that's late. That's how he got in foul trouble. But this was an excellent all-around game, a huge win for Coach Alford and the Bruins. It was a great game to watch. Kentucky's going to be fine. Briscoe's a really good leader for them. They're going to develop. But what a win. Biggest win of the year so far in college basketball. They go into Rupp Arena, into Lexington, and they beat the number one Wildcats. How about this? This is what I was kind of thinking about because you mentioned um, Welsh and Leaf. Do you think it's possible that UCLA could have three 
first team all Pac-12 players. No doubt, 100%, Gus, 100%, right? no doubt. I mean, you know, throw Fultz in there, throw Dylan on there, and then maybe three Bruins. I mean, that that's how good they look. I, I was very impressed with them. Um, so I, I think we can almost finish up with this game with, do you have any issue with UCLA only ranked, only being ranked number two this week? Yeah, I, you know, it's funny you say that, my friend. I do. Here's the problem, because these people that do these rankings, I understand. You're giving it to the student manager. You're giving it to your kid who's on Xbox. You're giving it to the dog. That's fine. How are we rating them? I, I love Villanova. Championship last year, fantastic. I, I'm really excited about that. And listen, they've had a solid schedule. They won at Purdue. That's a mm-hmm. nice win. All right? But folks, I don't see how on God's green earth you can't put UCLA number one. They are undefeated. They won at Lexington in Rupp Arena. And by the way, they only got two first place votes. I, I don't quite understand this. I, I mean, listen, I, I just think we have to be fair. They did beat Texas A&M, th- th- Kentucky. Like just because you made a mistake and we all underestimated TJ Leaf and all of us didn't realize how good Lonzo Ball was and all right. of us really underrated Isaac Hamilton. Mm-hmm. I don't see how you can wake up with your morning coffee and not rank them number one. I'm sorry, were you that impressed with the win at Purdue? I mean, listen, no offense. This, they beat the number one team, number one, Cal. He's got all the freshmen. They're Burger King All-Americans. Fantastic. That's great. I don't see how you can put UCLA. You can't put them number one. I just don't get it. And the reason they would say this, Gus, is because they ranked them 13 or 11. And they're like, oh, we can't move them up too much. No, guys, don't do it to the student manager. Take the five minutes with your cup of coffee and your Starbucks, you know, latte and rank them appropriately mistake we all underestimated ucla that is the number one team in the country it's funny that you mentioned drinking coffee um because i'll tell you one thing i bet the next morning coach alford ucla coaching staff maybe some of the ucla big wigs you know what they were probably doing they were probably sitting drinking their coffee like you mentioned sitting in a fancy dining car and they're probably drinking coffee and they're probably smoking big cigars, Johnny Cash style, after that win. You, you so impressed you, with that win. You're darn um, right. You're darn right. Johnny Cash style. And you're darn right. And what they're doing is they're lighting up the clipping of the 24 nothing or 41-7 game in Chicago a couple of years ago. And they're blowing, you know, one of those, uh, those cigar rings, those smoke rings. That's what they're uh, blowing. Yeah. Um, I, you know, enjoy the spoils, UCLA. Really an incredible win. We were just happy to view it as viewers. College basketball fans got an early treat. Early Christmas present, as far as I'm concerned, with that game. Uh, West Virginia went down to UVA, and we previewed this game as like this clash of crazy, unique styles. Um, and after watching this game, the answer is pretty simple, right? If London Parentes is going to shoot two for 10 against a high quality opponent, shoot and, the ball, London! And, and, and West Virginia is a high quality opponent, they have no chance to win. Zero chance to win. They just do not have enough options on offense. He needs to play like he did in the second half against Ohio State for the Cavs to beat a top 25 team. There's no other way around it. They don't have other offensive options currently right now. Um, if they if he plays that way, they're a top five. Uh, they're a top 15, maybe top 10 team. But you know, we we warned you about the trappings here at Screen the Screener for UVA. Getting down by eight or ten points is a very t- difficult task for them to come back to. Who's still trying to find its identity on offense? Um, Huggins played his guys big minutes here, um, thirty plus 
and he got solid returns on his core guys. You know, we met, we mentioned uh, 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 Nathan Adrian. He did his typical line, 10, 5, 4. Um, Issa Ahmad, uh, 9, and 7. Javon Carter, 11, 5, 2, 3. Like, they just put up numbers across the board. The Mountaineers were really impressive winning on the road at UVA here. It was a really odd result. Mike Reynolds, does this change your position that you stated earlier that you were a little bit off West Virginia at all? No, I, I still don't like West Virginia. I, I just think they're very Ahmad scores nine, Miles Jr. has seven, Carter <laughs> has eleven, and Phillip had seven. I I just can't get into that team. And here's why. If you're gonna play that sort of game, all right, and we'll get to a team that plays that way, but I think they're much better in Gonzaga. Mm. I, I just think that they're in a very tough Big Twelve. I think they're going to try to force the pace. And that's the norm now. Like you're not going to shock anyone when you're going to press. You're going to press Kentucky. You're going to press UCLA. You're going to press Villanova. You're going to press Louisville. Everybody presses, okay? So I I just don't think that that is really a winning style unless you have massive talent that can go behind it. I will tell you what this bothers me. It bothers me about Virginia because slow down teams, down screen – back screen. I, they just don't win in the tournament. Virginia got Michigan State out of the bracket last year. They were in the bracket. Everybody's depressed. Then the giddy pots, and they're like, oh, this is it. And they still didn't win. So yep. I am worried about Virginia. Listen, my issue with London Parentis is he's got – I understand. He's not tall. He's not that great of an athlete. He doesn't jump high. I understand that. He's a tremendous floor general. He's a tremendous leader. But he he makes a high percentage of shots. He only shot two for ten. But is that now, Gus, going to be the norm when they run into a very athletic team that has a guard that can get right in his face? Like, uh, yeah. like, like suppose they played Michigan State with Tum Tum Nairn. Is, sure. is Parentis going to be able to score? Because if he's not scoring and he's not shooting well, then, you know, Wilkins, you know, Salt, Salt's going to have 20 points. You know, I'm worried about Virginia. Yeah, they kind of don't have another option to go to that's, uh, like, reliable. And I, I – this circles back to one of the themes we talked about UVA um, a, a couple podcasts back is how good was Malcolm Brogdon? Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. that's really what it comes down to. How good was that guy? Oh my goodness. I mean, <laughs> well, a, a, he's their best defender and B is a 20 point per game score. So not yeah. only did they lose a great defender, they lost pretty much the only guy who could really score on a consistent basis. To be, I mean, yeah. Toby was good. I understand that. Right. But he's another eight, six guy. I mean, they don't have that guy. So basically they must control tempo. They must be up 24 to 10 at the half. Okay. And if the game gets frenetic, they're not coming back. And that's what happened with Syracuse last year. Remember the second half with Syracuse? Malachi right. Richardson goes bananas, and that's with Brockton on him, as uh, right. as Hoops Weiss was talking about. They can't recover. They, they cannot recover from no. that. So I feel like their margin of error is so small. And this is a big team that should have – uh, you know, big time players, new rules, right? Freedom of mo- motion. Yeah, I mean, is this yeah. going to work their advantage? So, to me, my take on this game, at least, Virginia's in trouble. Uh, I think so too. Um, I'm not sure how they got as high as six in the nation, but um, obviously they'll be down a, uh, a notch or two. Uh, probably uh, a job because the, the 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 coach's dog voted like they vote for all the other teams. It's fine. <laughs> well, let's let, let's share. Let's spread a little Big Five love here. What do you say, uh, Villanova? defeated St. Joe's. St. Joe's a little bit down this year after a great year last year, 88 to set, uh, 57. 
Um, these games mean so much to the city and to the programs there in Philly. This is like Dick's Hoops Weiss wheelhouse. Like, this is right up his alley. Um, did you get the invitation, Mike Randall? I'm curious. Did, oh, I wish. Did you get it in the mail? Uh, I I'm would love sure to. You, did you get it? Did you get Josh Hart's invite to the Player of the Year party? Oh, I'd like to be at that party. Yeah, I think he sent his invite out in this game. He dropped a triple-double. Uh, we'd like to welcome Josh Hart to the conversation for the Player of the Year. We saved the seat right here for you at the table, Josh. Um, please, uh, you know, just move your chair over because we're expecting Dylan Brooks to move his chair up uh, uh, any any game now. So, you know, just make sure you don't you don't hog the side of your table. Um, you know, and enjoy the conversation with the rest of the crew at the table. Josh, so happy that you have a game that you can anchor your candidacy on now. Um, great win for Villanova, but really impressive game. I mean. It, Dropping a triple-double in a Big Five game doesn't get much bigger than that as far as I'm concerned. Um, I think the next game you had your eyeballs on and were so excited about the result because this is a call that you 100% nailed, um, Xavier Baylor. What a showdown. So number seven, Xavier, uh, number nine, Baylor. Xavier was actually up at the half here. And the prediction that we threw out there of both Motley and Summer showing out here and having big games, both played great. But the difference maker here was a different player. It was a guy that we had mentioned before, one of our guys, Manu Lacomp. Yeah. We called him. We called it. We said, you know what? It's going to change. He's going to start hitting his threes. Guess what happened? Six for nine from three-point land. Uh, hit his foul shots in the clutch. Uh, this game totally lived up to the hype. And you know what? Bill Murray even showed up for this one. He digged himself out of his Cub World Series bender, uh, much like your NCAA hoops bender this past weekend, my friend. <laughs> your final four pick is rolling, patrolling, riding a little dirty. What changed in the second half here? You called a double-digit win in this game. You nailed it. What changed in the second half to make this a double-digit Baylor win? Uh, I should have smoked a cigar after this game. I mean, I, it, they came out very excited. Crowd was great for Baylor. Uh, what happened was Trevon Blewett. Uh, Trevon Blewett had, I believe, four threes before the half. He was open on ball reversal. They were closing out hard, but he was on fire. So he basically single-handedly got them out to an early lead. They kept chipping away. Motley wasn't getting open looks. They did a nice job inside. Um so they were down a little bit, I think, at the half. And then the second half, they basically switched between man and zone. So they got up and blew it a little bit. And then LeConte happened. LeConte started hitting some threes that were not going down in Atlantis form where he was very frustrated. Mm-hmm. I mean, Lindsey was playing over him in the second half of that big comeback against Louisville. But yeah, uh, then Motley started scoring. Uh, Joe Luau Aquil, Joe Lowe, uh started getting some alley-oops inside. And can we can we start the Jolo movement here? Jolo, I love the, I love Jolo. Can um, we do that? We By can. the way, I, I'm pretty sure he is among the nation's leaders in blocks. Yeah, he's not a manoeuvrable player. Yeah, he's a, he's he's a skill. He has some skill on offense. Yeah. Um, King McClure comes in, gets things going. Uh, they started hitting the boards. They run the break well, and that's what it was. It was Leconte. It was Motley. Then stepped out, hit a three, and he's a tremendous player. And, oh, yeah. and and Jolo with the alley oop, and away they went. And then once Baylor gets into a situation where you have to foul them, Lacan's not missing the free throws. Correct. So great one for Baylor. Great win. Xavier played well. Xavier was right in the game. They made the threes. First loss of the year for Xavier. No shame there. But no. again, Baylor. Which uh, Gus? How are they ranked? Um, 
you know what? I, I'm not sure if you, if you need a moment here, but I don't I don't see a reason why they couldn't have been ranked number one, and they came in at number four this week. No, nah, why would they be ranked number one, Gus? On November 15th, they beat number four at the time, Oregon, by 17 points. Now, no Dylan Brooks, but they were still ranked four, so here we go with the rankings again. Then on November 24th, they beat number 24, Michigan State, by 15. Mm-hmm. Um, then they played the next night, very next night, back-to-back games. Number 10, Louisville, they beat them 66-63. Huge comeback in the second half. And then, oh, they just beat the number seven team in the country. So I'm sorry. If you can name some other team in the country, you can't, that has beaten three top 10 teams, let me know. But again, how are they not ranked higher? I, again, I love the Villanova win at Purdue. Love it. I don't think they won at the Celtics, okay, of the of the early 80s with Bird, McHale, Parrish, Ainge, and Johnson. I don't think they won in the Staples Center, although Gonzaga did, against the Lakers with Magic, Worthy, Scott, A.C. Green, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. They beat Isaac Haas. They beat Caleb Swanigan. Very happy about that. But for some reason, Villanova is still being ranked off of last year. By the way, they did lose some players, right? Archie Diacono, Ochafu. Yeah. I mean, they did. I don't Definitely. understand how a team that is undefeated that has three top 10 wins, two of which were on a neutral site, is not ranked number one as well, or two. You want to give UCLA because they beat the number one team in the country at home? I have no problem with that. To me, it's got to be Baylor one and Villanova two. By the way, Baylor has the second most first place votes out of anyone, but they're four. But that's fine. They're behind Kansas, okay, who lost to Indiana, who lost to Fort Wayne. But it's fine. Maybe they should have beat five top 10 teams, Gus. Maybe that's what they had to do. Uh I, I love that you have issues and are calling out uh, the pollsters. I love it. That's beautiful. Um, let's spread uh, let's spread a little West Coast love after spreading some uh, Big Five love. We'll go out to see Gonzaga in Arizona. You mentioned the Staples Center they were playing out in L.A. Um, so you want to chat Final Four teams, huh? So let's please start with a standing ovation for both of these programs to make this game happen. Um, I, I love that Gonzaga and Arizona got together. I want more West Coast hoops exposure. That's what I want, and we got it. That's beautiful. Um, here's, what, here's what I saw in this game quickly, um, and this parallels like eerily to the UVA situation, um, but it's, I don't think it's as dire uh, with London Parentes. If Laura Markkinen is going to shoot four of 14 and Kobe Simmons is only going to score two points, two points, Arizona cannot beat the top shelf team. It's just that simple. Even with Raleigh Hawkins, Hawkins uh, 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 putting some good numbers up, impressed by his game. But I mean, if if those guys are going to play that way or that low of a level, then they have no chance to beat a higher level team, and they're going to be very average. Um, and I think we also need to officially welcome back the big man. We need to welcome back Shemek Karnowski. Shemek, keen points for the big man. So happy he found health with the Zags. Glad his back is healed up. Thank you, Mark Few, for providing more West Coast basketball. We're very thankful. What else did you view in this game, Mike Randall, with this uh, matchup of uh, West Coast Titans? Uh, number one, I know that Arizona was without um, Parker Jackson Cartwright. I, I understand that he was out with the knee injury, which hurts them. However, he he is a little bit of one of their glue guys. He is. He's a starting point guard. It's fine. But this, my first takeaway, this is not your mom and pop's Gonzaga team. This is not your mother's Gonzaga team. This team has some toughness. They push you around. 
They get in your grill. They have big, tall players that can step back and hit three. Um, Nigel Williams-Goss is tough. Perkins, I love. He's my favorite Gonzaga player. He hits threes. He's aggressive. He rebounds. There is an edge to this Gonzaga team that has not existed before. If you took their jerseys off, besides Shemek, um, <laughs> you wouldn't be able to tell that they were Gonzaga. This team is good. It was a phenomenal Final Four call by you. I cannot wait for the St. Mary's game because they're both going to be undefeated. I'm going to tell you right now, the game's in Gonzaga. I don't see how I can't pick Gonzaga in that game, even though I'll be rooting for St. Mary's. Mm-hmm. Marketing is good. He's still a freshman. Kobe yep. Simmons is Kobe Simmons. He's a little bit a notch below the other freshmen, okay? He really needs Trier sure. back. And by the way, I, I, can somebody tell me where, like, <laughs> the code to get into Fort Knox, or are we going to find out that Alonzo Trier, what Alonzo Trier is suspended for? Like, uh, at yeah. this point, it can't be – he's on the team. He's sitting on the sidelines, so I yeah. don't think it's something like – uh, like a, a crime. I, I Maybe, I don't know, but like it's very odd and they need him badly because Simmons is not ready to be an 18 point per game scorer in big time games. Okay. Right. And he showed that in this game, like, you know, right in front of our eyes. Um, you know what the other part here is too? I have it. I have a thought on uh, uh, Perkins that we'll get to uh, in, a, in a smidge, but um, you're right about this Gonzaga team. There, there's, there seems to be a little edge to them. I'm, I'm digging on the edge that, uh, that the, the attitude, the, the little toughness, the little. Uh, um, I'm, I'm really liking this little attitude that they're bringing. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you, and I'm seeing the same thing. Yeah, this is not the Fuse got himself what I think is the most athletic team, and the most. Uh, you know, universal, able to play anyone. Um, this was in the Staples Center. They owned Arizona from start to finish. Arizona got it back to six or something. Um, uh, they got a banked in three by Rawls Atkins, um, who I really like a lot, big guy in Arizona. Yeah. But um, they were not in this game. This game was dominated by Gonzaga. Really like them. Um, I think now that we've we've given you a little review of what's happened thus far, uh, over the past weekend, which was an unbelievable NCAA college basketball weekend. I think we need to do a little preview now. And I think we get to head to one of our favorite places now, don't we? On Broadway. There it is on Broadway, folks. Uh, unbelievable. And I, I guess, Gus, why don't we start with, instead of a game, <laughs> why don't we start with a player? On Broadway, yeah. no, because I, basically he's going to be on Broadway during the NBA draft next year. That's for sure. We we I think we'll try to highlight one person uh, on Broadway. We uh, you know we gave a little uh, we gave a big shout to Isaiah Brock for his first uh, collegiate double double uh, last time. And if if we did not give this guy uh, proper love, then we are just not paying attention. And Mellow Tremble, how many more times are you going to do this this year? I mean, what's the count at now? Is it three games? Is it? I think it's four games that he's had the Terrapins like final three, four, or five points in a tight game. Um, he hit three or four foul shots against Oklahoma uh, against Oklahoma State to bring Maryland back from down one in the final two minutes. Um, and it's like you almost knew it was coming. Like it was a tight game. Uh, they were down one. The ball was in his hands, and you're like, all right, here he goes again. He's going to win another game for the Terrapins, and boom, there he goes. He did it again. However. If you saw the ending of this game, 
you saw that Joanna Evans almost mellow trembled Maryland <laughs> with his yeah. behind the backboard follow-up attempt that got called off because time ran out because the shot was late. Um, you know, we mentioned that venturing guards uh, always win in March, but Mello's proving us wrong. Do you know how he's proving us wrong? Veteran all-American caliber guards win games all the time, not just in March. <laughs> Mello's done it four times already in this in this short, short season. I hope he does it four more times. I'm kind of excited to watch my next Terrapin game. You think, Gus, do you think he's kicking himself? He's coming back. If this team makes the tournament, it's fine. But I, and I want to see it because I want to see Melo in the tournament because he's 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 the best finisher we got right now in college basketball. But I, gosh, I hope they make it in. I mean, it's going to be super tough. I, I hope they make it in too. And I'm going to tell you right now, from you know a former college athlete's perspective that we both have, there's no way he's kicking himself because he would never be able to have these experiences that he's having in those four games and during this season. If he took off to the NBA, he'd be riding the pine somewhere, maybe in the D League. Who knows? He is getting the best authentic student-athlete experience that you could ever hope for right now. So I say cheers to Melo Tremble, bravo, excellent job coming back. And this is like the exact conversation that we were having last podcast by applauding people like Chris Dunn and Jawan Evans for coming back and, and, and finding success. And we're, we're praising them and, and throwing heaps and, and loads uh, of, of, of positive love on them. And, and we're just doing the same thing for Mellow Tremble. And I hope we continue to do it for the rest of the season. So thank you for coming back, Mellow. I hope you enjoy the year and you have a couple more moments like you did against uh, Oklahoma State. So he's our first member on Broadway. Man, is he rocking it out this year. He is balling. And, th- and think of it. If, if he doesn't make it and Markel Fultz doesn't make it, we can just recreate. We'll go back to French Lake, Indiana. We'll recreate that Larry Bird, Magic Johnson Converse commercial from the 80s. Just have them play one-on-one. I'll watch that. I'd yeah, I pay, pay 50 bucks to watch that. I mean, it'd be I'd tremendous. Be yeah. Especially if they played in con- Converse weapons. That yeah. is old school right there. I like that. Yeah, Mel's a veteran. He gets the ball first. Check it up. Let's go one-on-one. All right. <laughs> All right. Check. Uh, hey, how about um, – how about we go to the since you know since we're going to Broadway, just want to roll right down to MSG. Yeah, you know it's like Duke's like second home. That's like where they play their like road games um, early on in the season, right? Um, so we almost got this one in for a fishy line segment, but we decided we'd just focus on the contest on the court here. Um, we just wanted to give uh, Eric Fawcett a, a, a little shout, and we just wanted to have his thoughts put in here instead of ours because his would be much more intelligent. Um, he said that the SEC needed to have a good showing um, in the early season here, and we got South Carolina ranked. We got Florida ranked. We got Arkansas also receiving votes with a huge stretch of games for the Razorbacks. We got, they got Houston coming up. They have North Florida. By the way, Razorbacks, you've been warned about Dallas Moore, um, and we might even smell a fishy line in this game. We might smell a fishy line. And they have Texas coming up. So if Arkansas wins those three games, it's, no, no, it's not crazy that they could be ranked two. And the defining stretch of their season for Mike Anderson and Arkansas are coming up. Oh, wait. Wait a second. I'm sorry. We were talking about Duke, Florida, right? Uh, typical Duke road game in NYC. Let's hope more of the Duke Frosh find minutes on the floor. They find their health. What we want to see is just them get on the floor and get healthy and get them. We want to see them play again. Um, so we want to see. We never want to wish hardships on student athletes by any means. So we just say heal up, Duke, and we hope you enjoy your time on the floor in the world's greatest 
arena. Yeah, this is a big time game this week because what happened is we had so many great games early on. And gosh, Gus, I don't remember a time when we had as many great games as we did. Um, now you've seen the like you've seen the accelerator go down a little bit. You're seeing a lot of um, you know sort of games where there's a talent differential. I think yeah. teams are now trying to catch their breath a little bit. Maybe Izzo slowing down and he's going to play you know uh, he's, he's going to play Shaq and Kobe from the Lakers in the 2000s, yeah. right? Maybe he's playing them. But uh, so this is really probably I think for our Broadway games the best game of the week. Maybe you know later on we'll talk about one at the podcast later this week about the Villanova Notre Dame game this weekend yeah, sure. that Hoops is uh, excited about as well. But um, this is really the primo game tomorrow night nine o'clock. Um, I, I think it's a you know like Duke is missing their freshmen. So again, yeah. I mean this, one of them may play, but um, this is a bigger game for Florida than Duke. If if Duke, Duke is supposed to win, okay. If they lose, you know they'll say, "Oh, the freshmen aren't there." But if Florida can win this game, this will mm-hmm. be impressive. And maybe yep. with the way that the pollsters are with the rankings, maybe Florida will be 19 next week if they win this game. They'll go up a couple spots, fine. But uh, you know, I want to I want to see Barry in in MSG with the free throws. Um, and so let's I see think, what I happens. Yeah, I think that'd be a crazy crazy element to the atmosphere. Uh, I'm with you on that. And. Uh, you know, it seems like Mike White has things rolling in the right direction. We thought maybe a fall off it when Donovan uh, left for the NBA, but um, it seems like they're okay, and uh, they have a they have an unbelievable stage to prove that things are going much better than okay at MSG versus Duke. So um, my eyes will definitely be on that game, and um, I'm sure uh, you know SEC fans everywhere will be as well. Yeah, big uh, game. Yep. Yeah, uh, I th- I feel like this next game. I always feel like I'm I flip on it uh, midweek. Uh, before the conference uh, seasons get started, um, Davidson and North Carolina. It's just a fun game, right? You got Jack Gibbs, the possible A10 player of the year. Um, you got Coach McKillop, uh, who's an offensive mastermind, um, who's always putting his players in scoring positions. The, the Wildcats are always going to compete. Um, they just don't always have the talent to do so. Um, I just don't think that they're ready to pull the upset here, but there's no reason not to watch. You know, that's not a reason to not watch this game. Um, and don't you always feel like this is a game that, like, you're like, oh, yeah, I'll watch Davidson and North Carolina. Those two teams are fun to watch. Um, so I'm going to watch it this year, too. I know that uh, Big Red, Hank, Scout, and all the Davidson faithful will be tuning in as well. Both teams run exemplary offenses that are, you know, different styles, but still the ball goes in the basket a ton. And as a basketball fan, I think that's what you want to see. It's going to be a joy to view this game. Yeah, I, you know, and this, it's a shame. I hate to say that an injury gives it more juice. Um, mm. But uh, CBS Sports reporting two hours ago that Joel Berry's going to miss this game against Davidson yeah. with a sprained ankle from Radford. Thanks. So, I, you know, I hate to say that, but with Gibbs there, okay, yeah. I think North Carolina's on upset alert right now at this point. Um, that's a big time loss for the Tar Heels, a scoring loss. So I think you're going to see a very close game here either way. Um, I still expect Carolina to win the game, but I, I think it's now more interesting that Barry is hurt. I hate saying that. that. That's not what I mean. But you know, you understand the point is. Yeah, yeah. I think that it's a little juicy, and Gibbs now, you know, certainly is going to have a little more chance to shine because Barry may have been locked up on him. I, I'm not sure, but um, yeah, disappointing. Um, but regardless, it's going to be a good one. And I, and I think Davidson has a legit shot in this game right now. Let's see what old Roy's got up his sleeve. <laughs> you want to see it? Yeah. I bet, uh, you know, Kenny Williams, Seventh Woods, um, Nate Britt, I think those guys are going to have to step up for 
Joel Berry's absence, and I bet they still kind of run up and down the court. I, I don't see why they would change their offensive philosophy, um, even with you know all ACC, you know, borderline All-American uh, type talent in Nate Britt. Uh, I mean, in um, Joel Berry being out. Uh, oh, and, and you know, one other thing, quickly, Gus. Um, oh, you yeah. know how we talk about that. You know, we we watch these games, and we're junkies, folks. So what it means is that. We get a feel for things sometimes. I think when you're a junkie, you get a feel for something. I will tell you this. Um, I'm getting a little feel about Kenny Williams. All right. I, he had a big game the other night um, mm-hmm. against Radford, uh, played exceptionally well. He had 18 points. 13, I'm sorry. I ended up with 19, new career high. He scored 14 of UNC's first 18 points in basically five minutes. Um, he's got some swag to him. He's got the look to me of scorer, big-time future player. I like Kenny Williams a lot. It's very under the radar, and maybe yeah. it could be his coming-out party here a little bit with Joel mm. Berry being injured, yeah. uh, but he's got it. It's the same reason I, I texted you during Middle Tennessee, Michigan State last year, about three minutes in, and I go, get to a television because this yeah, is coming down to a wire. You just, and you've had it too. Uh, you get a feel, guys, when you start you know watching these games. Kenny Williams has got some swag to him. I like Kenny Williams. I, I think he can put his imprint on this Davidson game. Nice. I, I, I like that you're identifying UNC, uh, you know, not bit player, but 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 uh, not one of the headliners. Excellent. Yeah, uh, gut, gut I, feeling. That yeah. Goes eyes. It's like, Gus, it's all like poker. Remember last time we talked the free rolls? You, sometimes you, gotta just, you just don't think the guy's got it. I think Kenny Williams has it, actually. Yeah. And I'm basing this off just watching him and it's smooth and hustle and he makes a turnover on the sideline in front of Roy. It doesn't bother him. He shakes it off. It's fine. Like him. Uh, how about we go to one of the best you know, since we mentioned uh, uh, North Carolina backcourt and Jack Gibbs in the backcourt, one of the best backcourts in the nation. Want to hit the, uh, we got to take a look at Creighton, Nebraska, right? Might as well because they're going to the Final Four. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the best backcourts in the nation gets a shot to take down a Big Ten team. Cornhuskers, you better be on alert for these guys. Oh, man, are they balling out. Um this is an opportunity that teams like Gonzaga, St. Mary's, Wichita State, and Dayton load up for. They load up to be really good, really competitive, really athletic every year, and then go smack around a big five school. And that, I think, is what's going to happen here. And if you need evidence from this year, just take a look at Temple versus West Virginia or Florida State. Now take a look at Cincy versus Iowa State for recent history on similar situations like this. Sorry, Nebraska. It's a huge rivalry game, we know. But Creighton, oh, man, they are just playing so well, and they got a ton of great pieces. Um, I know the people in the state are going to love this game, um, and I bet Creighton fans are going to be celebrating like crazy afterwards. Yeah, I, this is don't sleep on this game, folks. I, mm. I should put it out on Twitter. I'm curious how people know Creighton's in Nebraska. <laughs> you know, I don't think a lot of people know that the game's in Omaha. This is it, and this is small school that is a top ten team in the country versus the big school that f- still still feels like, oh, uh, you know, we're in Nebraska. We're in a better conference in Creighton. Come on. So I love these rivalry games. You know, similar to your close proximity rivalries like a BC Harvard. You know what I mean? Like you have those games w- where they're in this in the same city, and people may not realize how much of a rivalry it is. Creighton, Nebraska is going to be a fun atmosphere. It's going to be an intense one. Uh, you know, I'm a little worried. I have to tell you, Gus, I'm a little worried about this one for Creighton. 
but I think they're good enough to get by this game, and I think they're good enough to keep the uh, the streak rolling as they head into the to the Big East. Oh, I, I'm with you. Oh, it's it's going to be you know it's going to be a contested game. I'm just, I'm just thinking that Creighton's backcourt is going to win it, just like Melo Tremble won it against uh, uh, Oklahoma State. Um, I think that we got to take you know since we're taking a look you know teams and players that might be a little bit under the radar. How about we throw uh, Alex Peter Peters a little love? Valpo is going to go to see Kentucky this uh, this week. And we here at Screen the Screener just hope it's a stage for Alex Peters. Show up, show out, hang some numbers on the national, a national championship type team, and maybe he's the next guy that gets the invite to the table next to Josh Hart for you know some Player of the Year or All American type status. Um, that's what we want to see. Even if they don't make it a super competitive game, we just want to see Alex Peter against top level competition uh, that Kentucky's going to bring. Um, we know that you know the Wildcats are going to be a little steamed, um, a little refocused after the UCLA loss. But let's see, let's hope uh, Valpo keeps it close for the first half here. How about that? Yeah, I love Alex Alec Peters, Gus. We both do. He's a tremendous player inside and out. People should know him. No offense, Alec. You're coming into a buzzsaw here, my friend. Sure is, yeah. <laughs> because sure is. Kentucky is going to be ticked about that loss. Gus, I don't care what the line is. I'll give 15 right now. I, I think that this Valpole does not have a big bench. They're going to try to control tempo here. Monk's going to be out there. Adebayo's going to be dunking and making free throws. Fox is doing triple doubles. He may have a quadruple double. This game will not be close. And I hope I'm wrong because no one loves Valparaiso better than I do. No chance, Alec Peters. Sorry. Um, Look, he's going to get an authentic Kentucky experience. That's what he's going to do. And I think one of our last stops on Broadway – uh, we'll head back out to the West Coast and spread a little West Coast love again. That's what we like doing here on Screen the Screener. You know, uh, furthering our vagabond existence as va- basketball junkies all across the nation. Uh, Washington is going to visit Gonzaga. And I think my question, you know, you had like your beef with, uh, with Baylor being number four only and UCLA being number two only. I think I have a mini beef with Gonzaga staying at number eight after defeating um, Arizona um, on a neutral. Um, why not bump them up a spot or two? I think remaining there seems kind of silly. So I have a little beef with them. Like they should definitely be hired. Who's voting on this thing? Um, obviously it's a little West coast bias. I mean, there it is in, in, in full light for everybody to see. Uh, I hope that, you know, our West coast basketball broadcasting crew, um, Dave Pash, Roxy Bernstein, uh, Bill Walton, in some you know combination, view this thing in and bring it to us, uh, bring it bring it to us live. You know what I'm really looking forward to, and you mentioned this earlier. I'm totally looking forward to the Perkins and Fultz matchup. This is going to be an athletic showdown, not necessarily a skills showdown or like who's a better player showdown. Like I think we can all be in agreement that Fultz is a better player than Perkins, but. Those two guys are among the top shelf athletes at their position in college basketball. They're right there with Monk. They're right there with Fox. They're right there with Sumner. They're right there with Frank Jackson of Duke, Kobe Simmons, Juwan Evans, just as pure athletes at the point guard position. Um, That's going to be worth the watch right there, watching those guys compete at the highest athletic level um, that NCAA college basketball has to offer. And we hold hope tightly here, and we hope – 
that Shemek Karnowski keeps doing his thing. Whether it's shooting a three, dishing out five dimes in a game, or leading his team in rebounding, I can't wait to see what his next trick on the court is going to be. Keep rolling with it, Shemek. Love it. Um, and you know what? I hope we can celebrate Fultz playing unbelievably well against a great team. They keep it close. And, uh, you know, if we were, you know, betting men here, which we are, I think we would take Gonzaga here to win the game points, uh, uh, you know, points aside. Um, but let's continue to try to push, like, f- celebrating Fultz as a player and his greatness as a player instead of his shortcomings uh, in the win column or uh, shortcomings of his team as a whole. So hopefully that's an, this, is, this game will be another opportunity for people to celebrate him as a player. Yeah, it's another great job by the schedules here. We have an intrastate rivalry, Washington and Gonzaga, right? Uh-huh. Um, I'm real excited to see Fultz go against Gonzaga and see what few has against them. I think you're totally right on the money with Perkins. Um, of course, you want to know who's voting for these polls, Gus. I just took my daughter to see Trolls, and I think it's Branch voting for them while he's 20 feet <laughs> under with you know 10 years of, of, of rations down there. That's who he's voting for because it makes no sense. Gonzaga's beating beating Iowa State. They beat Florida. They beat Arizona. I, I mean, I don't know what else they have to do, but it's fine. Right. I mean, we'll get right. Gonzaga and St. Mary's in the top five. They may have to go undefeated for the entire season. I mean, they'll, they'll split on the home and home, right, Okay, against each other, sure. and then we'll just wait until the, uh, the, the tournament championship game. Maybe then they'll be right. But uh, this is going to be a good one, too. Listen, they've done the schedulers. Whoever has set up these schedules has done an outstanding job. We have big time games, ranked teams, and now in sort of a you know a slower period because the last month has been so frenetic. How could it be any better? We right. now have intrastate rivalry games, which are really great. So Gonzaga Washington's a must watch. Um, Fultz could go for 40. Romar needs a big win here to get this team going. This would be a nice yeah. one for him as a resume builder. They have, like Ricky. I told you, they have 18 and 12 written all over them, Washington. They're going to be on the bubble selection Sunday. So this will be a really good game. Looking forward to it. Um, and I think the other part of this game um, that you mentioned, the interstate rivalry, like this could be that stamp game for Washington if they somehow pull it off. That would be that would be the one that really stands out that people would be, keep bringing up over and over again um, when we get to Selection Sunday on March and say, oh, well, Washington has that win against Gonzaga. Uh, that's a, a great point. Like if they can if they can do that, that can go a long way a couple months from now. Um, we'd like to head back to the library if that's all right with everybody. Um, we uh, a couple of podcasts back, we took a look at Luke Wynn's uh, uh, unbelievably stat driven scores. The library, honey, keep it down. <laughs> Sorry, librarian. Didn't mean didn't mean to get overexcited there. Voice. We're going to return uh, Luke Wynn and his uh, SI article back to the periodical section, um, and uh, we just wanted to say thank you, Luke Wynn. It was unbelievable, like wrapping our minds around all those numbers that you were giving us and your projections of who were going to be the great scores. Oh, by the way, um, Martin from Butler, who I think you had at number ten, went for thirty this weekend. Wow! Great call. Oh. Love that projection. Um, and you know what? We're going to go back to the Players Tribune to check out our next reading assignment. Um, when, the last time we checked in with the Players' Tribune, um, we mentioned Ray Allen's letter to his younger self, which was an unbelievable read. Um, oh, Mike so Randall good. told a couple of cool stories about uh, uh, his practice habits. Uh, we pointed out a couple of highlights from the, uh, from the article. Um, this Players' tr- Tribune article is by Bronsing Koenig. It's titled, What I Found in Standing Rock. It is a report of when he went to protest with fellow Native Americans uh, at the Dakota Pipeline 
Um, we've, you know, we've championed Koning, uh, Koning, uh, Isaac Brock, um, Koning's teammate, Nigel Hayes for the positive news concerning their ongoing, um, their ongoing work as, as college student athletes. This is a must read. It will be well worth your time. It'll be well worth your attention and it will be well worth the energy that you're giving towards it. Trust us on this one. The one thing that we're going to not spoil for you, but we're just going to have you look forward to, is a 10-year-old asks uh, Kaning a really chilling question, forcing him to reflect really deeply on everything. We just wanted to thank uh, Bronson. It's legitimately a piece of art. So please hit up the Players' Tribune, um, uh, search uh, Standing Rock, and that article will pop up for you um, if you haven't put your eyes on it already. It's unbelievably eye-opening. You will be a better, smarter, more educated person after taking it in. And, again, we've championed their efforts in the past, so we don't need to go dive deep into it again here. We just want to keep, we just want to keep uh, applauding them and say, please carry on with your fine work, gentlemen. Please continue. Yeah, it was outstanding. It's great to see somebody a student athlete stand up for what they believe in and it, it, it happens folks you should, for kids who have passions go for it don't give up what you believe in they, they, they came together Kading went out there and they have decided now to not run the pipeline through that area and to put it in a different area so uh, we give kudos to Koenig and for him speaking out and being an activist uh, and that's what we want to see. He, he says it best. He was given the, the you know sort of a platform here where he can make a difference, and, he, and he's doing it. It's a really really magical story. Great read. You have to you have to take a look at it. Um, and yeah, we thought it was uh, apropos to bring up uh, considering the news consider uh, concerning that particular project and that part of the nation, um, and the positive news that came uh, that came the way of that particular uh, subject. Um, and I think. Hopefully, after you enjoy reading that, um, yeah, we, we hope that you uh, join us in a in standing ovation for those guys. Uh, just unbelievable job by uh, by them standing up for what they believe in and being exemplary uh, student athletes. Uh, and how about, uh, I think I just want to say thank you to the tech department for setting up uh, the interviews and putting together that unbelievable fishing line segment. Very nice tech. technology department so nice yeah we're going to keep you updated folks we we love the game of college basketball we're into it we analyze it we watch games at one in the morning we tape them all i love my direct tv uh and we're going to try to give you and drop some knowledge here so if if you enjoy it that's great we're going to toot our horn when we're right and we're going to own up to it and man up when we're wrong but i gotta tell you gus we're on quite a roll right now i hear that bell again keep it rolling uh, speaking of Bell, uh, thanks, Bell Jar. Keep the people smiling and keep the people listening. Uh, thanks for the intro and outro music and listeners. You all make this happen. Thank you for spreading the good word concerning Screen the Screener. We are so thankful, humbled, and uh, we for spreading the good word and, and getting us into more ears. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And uh, Mike Randall, does Josh Hart just set the screen? Well, not only does he do that, but he also he sets the screen and screens the screener for the triple-double that he gets every night. So Ooh. keep rolling, Josh. We want you on First Team All-American, my friend. i got to get some right here. And Dylan Brooks, whenever you're ready, let's get going. All right, folks, thanks so much. We'll see you. Screen the Screener Podcast. We'll see you later this week. 